0: Hello everyone, it's Michael here. I'm going to shake things up a little bit as GriffinCast is hitting a new milestone, our 10th episode. Although you've heard a lot from me over the past few months, I thought it would be a fantastic opportunity to shine the spotlight on the other members of the GriffinCast team. This includes my co host Lior Boguslavsky.
1: Hi, this is Lior.
0: Amanda Reside. Hi. And some of our behind-the-scenes team members like Ian Smith. Hi, Michael. And Sarah Bates. Hi Michael. For our audience, can you briefly introduce yourself and what you do normally for the university?
1: So as I mentioned, I'm Lior and I'm a Master of Biotech student here at the University of Guelph. Um, I started back in September of 2021 and since this is a 12-month program, I'm going to be finishing up very soon at the end of August currently. Um, And since the start of May, I've been um, doing my internship. So I've been Quite busy with that since it's basically a full time job. But for the first eight months of my program, I was um, taking courses and basically a full time student in every sense of the word. Now, um, even though I'm still a student, I feel like I'm more in the workforce than anything else. But besides um, being a student and right now um, doing my internship, I'm a scribe writer.
2: My name is Amanda Reside, and I am a master's student here at um, the Integrative Biology Department under the supervision of Dr. Nick Bernier and Dr. Fred Leberge. And my project focuses on naturally occurring toxins that are released by cyanobacteria, how they move in the environment, and how they affect the behavior of developing fish.
3: Okay, well my job title is scientific illustrator. So I create graphics and visuals for teaching and research. Do some video editing, but mostly I am known on campus as the go-to person for scientific poster printing. I guess I always wanted to meld art and science, and when I came to the university, I just did uh, honors biology and took an entomology course offered by Steve Marshall. Needed some artwork done for papers, so I ended up working for him two summers. And then he was getting low on money, so he convinced me to do a master's. An opportunity arose on campus when Paul Ebert, he kind of initiated some big projects on, on creating um, uh, visuals for teaching. And that was a, a big group. There's several of us and artists, too. There are programmers and, and content creators. The kind of the college decided that there was a need to have a person in my position. So the position was created and I've been here ever since.
4: Yeah, So I'm the College Research Manager here in the College of Biological Science, or CBS, and my role is quite varied, but I would say my primary responsibilities are helping faculty with the development of grant proposals when they're applying for research funding to various sponsors, and also communicating the outcomes of the research that's taking place in the college. And this is primarily through our written science communication program, or SCRIBE which you might call their progenitor or the mother of Griffin Cast. So the scribe is based on a very similar principle. We have graduate students from the college interviewing our faculty members about their latest research results. But in this case, the final product is like a journalistic style of story that we then share over social media and on our college website. And sometimes it ends up in a college research magazine we put out every year or so. I think I ended up in science communication almost somewhat accidentally. It wasn't intentional to me. I had done my PhD in entomology and was post and then it was really sort of by accident or maybe serendipity that someone sent me a job ad for a science writer position at a climate change research foundation and it wasn't something that I had considered doing at all um, but, you know, when I thought about it, I realized, well, this is actually something I really love to do. I've always liked writing, and, and I'm good at it, and I'm interested in science more broadly. So I sort of went outside my comfort zone in, in applying for the job, and I got the job, and I realized that this is really what I, what I do like to do.
0: We're not busy doing your more official university work. You have graciously set aside your time to help make Griffin Cast a reality. How did you first hear about the podcast, and why did you decide to get involved?
1: So as I alluded to uh, previously, I heard about the podcast first through Scribe. So I applied to be a Scribe writer back in back in the in the winter, I believe, and I finally was able to start in in February, I think. And um, ever since then, since I was involved with Scribe, I was introduced to the GriffinCast uh, podcast, and I thought, well, I'm so used to you know writing articles and. You know, doing that kind of stuff like writing, that I thought it would be interesting to do another form of science communication in the form of podcasting. So uh, that's why I decided to get involved. I've never done podcasting before, and I thought it would be pretty neat. And since I'm very much enthralled in science communication, but in the writing, um, in the writing aspect of it i thought this would be a great change of pace and something different to try out and so far i've been really enjoying it it's definitely very different from writing um when it comes to science communication but i think having a conversation about science as opposed to you know writing about it is you know could be conducive to a lot of different audiences and it could reach a lot of different people as well and it's a different uh platform that i think Um, It's also important to have science on. Well, for
2: our listeners, Michael and I share an office on campus. And so I was first introduced to the podcast through uh, his early episodes. He was recording them and um, I have always been interested in scientific communication. And Michael suggested that I sign up for Scribe, the program at the College of Biological Sciences that uh, helps us put on GriffinCast. And I thought it was a great idea. So I signed up and Michael and I did a podcast together. And uh, here we are.
3: I think you approached me for for technical advice. But now um, my role with the podcast mostly is um, Transcribing the audio for each episode for online accessibility requirements.
4: Well, Michael, I think it's funny that you asked that because you may recall that Griffin Cast really began as an idea that you came forward with. And as I remember it, you had just attended a science communication conference. And one of the ideas that it, that it sparked in you was the possibility of Scribe launching its own podcast to add another dimension to our written word program. So I was quite excited about the idea of expanding our research communication activities to include podcasts. And obviously, it's been a huge success. Thanks primarily to your, your leadership and skills.
0: What are your thoughts on science communication or SCICOM in general? Do you think Europeans have changed over time?
4: When it
1: comes to science communication, I think it's incredibly important. And sometimes I think it can also be overlooked because we have, you know, scientists and experts in different scientific fields who are doing this amazing research and coming out with these new discoveries and papers and coming out with, you know, with things that are advancing technology and medicine and our knowledge of life, right? But because not everyone is an expert, On science in or in these very specific niche fields, it's hard to sometimes get this, you know, new knowledge across to all people of all different backgrounds and levels of education. So that's where science communication comes in. And I think it's so important to be able to communicate science to all audiences, including non-expert audiences. So I guess we we can say the lay audience, because Sometimes the media doesn't always get it right when it comes to delivering credible, you know, news about science or accurately depicting research and research papers and whatnot. So that's why I think science communication is the one of the most important aspects of science because, well, if the larger Population doesn't know about these new advancements or new outlooks or or something like that in the in different science fields. Then what's the point? Because we want to educate people and we want to make sure that everyone knows exactly what they're being told is accurate. My opinions haven't changed about science communication. I think because I've always known it's very important, but I think I've gained. Um, a more advanced appreciation for it because I didn't realize how important it was until I got to university and in my later years of undergrad. And now in my master's, I see how not everyone understands science like I do, but I think it's so fascinating. And there's certain things that are important for everyone to know about, like nutrition, for instance, or, um, immunology, you know, to some extent, like there's certain things I think, um, in science that everyone should know at least something about, even if they're not scientists or science students. So again, this is where my deeper appreciation of science communication came in is when I started to get involved with it myself, because I wanted to make science more accessible to everyone. So people can understand science in a way like I do by putting it in, you know, lay terms or sort of simplifying it so that everybody can understand?
2: Well, I think that SCICOM is extremely important. I think that the pandemic really solidified that view for me. All of the misinformation there about vaccines and how diseases work and how the the public was just so hungry for information. And I think a lot of people... Uh, we're introduced to how science works through this. And I think that really good, uh, integral scientific reporting and communication uh, became really, really important, especially in the age of the internet, where we just have so much information at our fingertips. People expected, you know, to be able to know everything all at once. But scientific communication has to be done really well in order for it to be. Um, disseminated properly to people who don't have a scientific background. So I, through that, realized how much, how, how meaningful that is uh, in the wider public. And of course, for us scientists, it's just fun to share our uh, passion with others, I guess.
3: Oh, I don't know oh, how to answer that. that question. That's a bit hard for me to answer. I think people's technical knowledge of the various softwares like for creating posters is tremendously different than the beginning where I basically have to hold people's hand and, and build their posters with them in front of me on the computer. Whereas nowadays people mostly, you know, come with the finished product. Sometimes I tweak it, but mostly it's good for printing these days, the sort of technology. And I'm not really familiar with now, like when I went to as a student, like it was chalkboard and, and overhead transparencies, like that PowerPoint didn't exist. And, no Zoom and Teams and and well even even the uh, course selection there was a, like a a paper book you would get with all your courses and you would leaf through it now it's all online I mean it, it, in my day you'd you'd be doing a paper for a course you, you'd have to go to the library and find the journal on the the right volume on the shelf then you'd have to line up for the photocopier to you know copy the article and sometimes it wasn't even What you're looking for was that you couldn't be found. Someone else had it out and it was somewhere way on the other side of the room in the library. Uh, It was a drag. Now you're just like online and you can copy and paste. I think people should appreciate how easy a lot of things are nowadays.
4: Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. I may be a bit biased, but obviously I think that science communication is, is super important. To me, Science.com is about helping to make science more accessible to everyone, regardless of their background, and also making sure that we're demonstrating the value of research. So most of what we do research-wise here at the university is publicly funded through tax dollars. So it's really critical that the wider public understands the value of what we're doing because they're essentially paying for it at the end of the day. With respect to what's changed, uh, for me personally, it feels like the stakes have really been rising in recent years. You know, we're we're facing unprecedented social and environmental challenges that need science to help inform how we're going to move forward and and solve some of these problems. And that's something we certainly saw with climate change, and even more so now with the pandemic. Um, And it's just really driving home that we need to be able to communicate science both widely and effectively.
0: How do you think, or rather, hope? Griffin-Cast and SciComm General will change in the coming years.
4: I really hope that
1: Griffin-Cast and, you know, Scribe Articles and other um, sources of science communication become more popular in the coming years. Because I think that the there's, you know, still a disparity between scientific research and experts, you know, scientists and the lay audience and like the general population and I feel like that gap needs to be filled and science communication I hope in the you know future and in the coming years will be able to gain more traction and become more popular in like in the media and in social media and within you know all populations really so that way everyone is able to be informed and know the accurate science in a way that they can understand And also have that science be super accessible to them and readily available as well.
2: I hope that, well, I hope that the podcast grows. I think that it's a really great opportunity for people in the community to know what's going on at the university, for people in other departments at the university to know what's going on in the College of Biological Science. And... I think that the more grad students who get involved, the more um, well-rounded graduates will be from these programs because I think that we get a little bit into the bubble of of our peers and being able to talk about science with uh, folks who aren't in our programs is just like it makes everybody, I don't know, it, it's, it's a more rounded way to interact with the world for both people um, on either side, so. I hope that the that griffin cast grows and that uh scicom becomes more I guess mainstream. I'm no expert on how this the government should communicate their scientific research, but I do hope that more transparency I guess is involved. Like I really think it was great at the beginning of the pandemic Um, And I I assume it's still happening now, but I was much more tuned in at the beginning in 2020 that uh, Dr. Tam would do her own press conferences and you would hear from public health officials. Um, Unfortunately, I do think that it's still difficult for the public to really understand uh, what's going on, myself included. I don't I'm not in the medical sphere. So. I hope that scientific communication becomes more integral into all of these institutions—government, universities—so um, that scientists can hone those skills. Because a lot of us, I think, are used to talking at conferences to colleagues, and it can be difficult to sort of bridge that gap of somebody who's in your field and somebody who isn't.
3: How Griffin Castle change? Well, instead of being audio, you could do video and audio, but I don't know. I think, like I listen to other podcasts, I, I think there, there is a, you know, people do like listening sometimes when you're doing work, and so maybe you don't need to change. <laughs> and, um, you know, you do such a variety of different speakers in that, and it's interesting to see what happens from episode to episode, and you actually learn what other people on campus are doing. I know through the pandemic, there were some virtual conferences where people would show their, I guess, their posters virtually. And, and now there's a bit of a hybrid where, where people can elect to either attend the conference in person or you know, online and show their poster that way. But I think it's part of the experience of being a scientist that people do enjoy networking in person. So uh, I, even this summer, quite a few people are flying out to conferences. So so I think for that thing, I don't think people really would want it to change. And then as I said, it's like networking. You, you actually, maybe you've seen the person's name in, in papers and articles and stuff, and or you hear about them from your, your supervisor and, you know, they might be the scientific demigod, but you finally get to meet this person and, you know, there's a bit of excitement there and... You know, they might take an interest in your work and stuff. So that's a real good for your esteem. And I don't know. You'd have to ask grads or grad students what it's like these days. I don't go to conferences.
4: Well, for GriffinCast, CAST, of course, I would love to see the program grow and have more grad students get involved in the production so we can continue to highlight all the cool stuff going on in CBS. Um, I also think it's really just a cool opportunity for students to be able to build science communication skills, you know, and add something to their C V and, and it may benefit them in ways they, they can't yet envision as they as they launch their their postgraduate careers. So for science communication in general, what I hope to see change as practitioners and scientists both is that we can keep working together to find new ways to engage non-expert audiences and help build trust in science. It's like we just talked about, this feels like a really critical time to be building trust in science. And it's hard to communicate what are usually very complex ideas in 288 characters on Twitter, which is seems to be where so much, you know, of the conversation is happening, good or bad. You know, there's 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 pluses and minuses to, to Twitter, as we all know. I personally think that podcasts are a really contemporary and timely way to enable more meaningful conversations in a way that still appeals to non-expert listeners. But I'm hopeful that we can, you know, find other ways to to engage an even wider swath of the public because again, building that trust is is going to be really important in, in the coming years. If I can, if I can can I use this opportunity to say thank you, Michael, for you know, creating Griffin cast. Like I, I, I really do mean mean it when I say, you know, we're we're grateful for your leadership and your initiative on this and I'm really excited to to see it grow and hopefully we can continue to carry it. <laughs> after you're done here at the university in, in, in a way that uh, uh, that, will, that will make you proud.
0: Do you have any final thoughts to share for our audience and perhaps some words of advice or maybe encouragement for current or future SciCommers out there?
1: Some words of advice I'd give for current or future SciCommers is to not overlook the importance of science communication and really try and get involved with it in any way that you can because especially as a science student, a lot of you know, a lot of careers, a lot of jobs that are out there revolve around science communication and being able to express science and scientific terms and concepts and whatnot in more simplified terms. So I think that gaining this practice in undergrad and even in grad school is super important. And I would urge everyone to get involved in science communication, whether that be through joining Scribe or Griffin cast or any other organization that allows the opportunity to be able to simplify science and express it in ways that everybody can understand and that everybody can be educated by.
2: Well, for words of encouragement for other sci commers um, I think that it's really important to step out of your comfort zone. I I kind of was a bit resistant myself at first because it's a little scary to put yourself out there and everyone hates listening to their own voice. But if you just sort of give yourself that push, it can be really, really rewarding. And, you know, you never know if you're going to like something until you try. So... If you're interested in SciComm, I highly recommend um, ingesting more scientific communication content from others, and uh, maybe that'll inspire you. For the audience, I'd like to say thank you for listening. Uh, It's really cool that we've gotten to 10 episodes. I hope uh, we see you in another 10 podcasts.
3: What advice to people? I don't really know what to say here. (laughs) I just say if you're interested in doing that sort of thing, then don't be afraid to approach people and, and reach out. And, and um. the one thing I would say is actually speak to Hillary Dort because I know she has interns who are scientific communicators. So there's that avenue to pursue.
4: Sure, I would say, just do it. <laughs> there's no time like the present um and you know if you have any interest at all in, in science communication there there's so many ways to get involved and become a practitioner, whether it's just learning to you know how to tweet effectively about your own research or to become more involved in a formal way um like I think this the scribe program is a great example, and you know we give training to any interested students, and you know we help you and support you through the process so you know, there's, there's support there if you need it, but you're able to do this on your own too, right? Like you can blog and do TikTok and, you know, write and submit articles to, to various publications. And there are supports out there to help you learn how to do that. And if anyone is interested in, in some ideas about where to look for those resources or additional training, I'm, I'm certainly happy for anyone to reach out to me to get that information. Keep an open mind about what your your skills are and the possibilities that may be awaiting you.
0: And with that, we come to the end of our special podcast episode. Thank you for joining us in our peek behind the curtain to see what it's like to be part of the GriffinCast team. I hope hearing about each team member's unique perspectives and experiences inspires you. A big thanks to all members of the GriffinCast team for joining me today and to all of you, our listeners. Whether you submit questions, recommend the podcast to your friends, or even just listen when you have some time on your commute to or from work, we really appreciate you. GriffinCast is brought to you by your host, me, Michael Lim, and of course, our fantastic GriffinCast team, some of our members who you're able to hear about today. If you're hungry to learn more about different science topics, please check out Scribe Research Highlights at Scribe S-C-R-I-B-E, Research Highlights on the University of Guelph website at uoguelph.ca. Or you can follow us on social media at U of G CBS. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Music in the podcast comes from Upbeat, There'll be details in the show notes. And until next time, please stay curious.